Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. If you're a woman who is ready and willing to be a follower of Jesus, you're in the right place. Join me as we dive in deep to learn how to embrace your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. I'm your host, Darla Trindler, and I'm cheering you on. Welcome to your journey. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. This is Darla. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. I have a wonderful guest for you, someone that I have met recently. We've become friends, and I am so excited for you to hear some of her experiences and the things that she's doing to help women and about her journey on the covenant path. So my guest today is Jen Mabry. Jen, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here too. We've been trying to get together for a while and I'm so excited that we're finally here. And so it's been so wonderful to get to know you. This is so great. So do you want to just take a second and just introduce yourself? Tell everyone just a little bit more about you. Sure. So I'm Jen. I'm in St. Louis right now. And I'm here with my family, my husband, and our four kids. And we've been here for about two years. We moved here because I received a full scholarship to do MA in Jewish studies and Hebrew. And about the middle of that MA, I decided I I needed to keep going. I wanted to keep going. And so I've just started a PhD now in the same. And so I'm excited um, about my education in that regard. I feel like learning things from, I guess, What I call it as Eastern mindset has continued to help deepen my understanding of my own faith as a Latter-day Saint. And this idea that God comes to women or that we are known by him has continued to resonate in my mind. And I've found that women all over the world, I know we'll talk more about this later, but women all over the world are seeking our Heavenly Father. And I feel and I've found him in different ways. And so I've wanted to share with other women, hoping to illuminate their minds a little bit and helping to push them to realize that they too can have this relationship with him. So I love teaching. I love telling stories. I tell people I'm sometimes an extrovert, but I'm, I, I have to recharge alone. So I'm introvert. Like when I think and I go and I ponder and I have to recharge in my own little way. And then I'm ready to be an extrovert again and talk to everybody and teach and be in front of people. And so I sort of stand on that line and it's just fun to be around other people to teach and to hear other people's stories. And so that's where I'm sitting right now. A lot of education, a lot of teaching and a lot of listening. That's great. So fun. I have to tell the story about how we met several months ago. I was at Costco and I live in Arizona. We have a small section of our Costco that has Latter-day Saint books. And I oh, looked and lucky. I and I see this book called God Comes to Women. And I had this prompting, you should buy that book. And I looked at it and I don't know, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I'll buy it next time. I'm being totally (laughs) honest with you. And two days later, I get a DM on Instagram from you (laughs) and you were like, Hey, I found your account. I think that we should be friends or let's talk, let's get together. Let's talk. And I was like, how do I know that name? And then I remembered Costco. I'm like, okay. So then I went back to Costco and bought the book. And we've been able to talk and become friends over those months. And I'm so grateful for that. And I did read the book. And I loved it. I loved so much that the name of the book is God Comes to Women. And you wrote it with Heather Farrell and explored what you just talked about, like that women all over the world are seeking for God and that he's there for us. I really love that. So I wanted to start out talking about one part of that book. There's so many things that I could have pulled out. Everyone needs to go read this book, but you have a chapter that you wrote and it's called Just Between Us. And you said, I believe God reaches through women to women through our special capacity to foster deep connections and build relationships upon foundations of love, trust, and innate understanding. 
This is not to say that God does not reach through men to come to women, for certainly this is true. And then further down in that chapter, you share a quote from President Nelson, which I love that this quote was from 1989. This is not like the most recent quote because he's talking about this still, but right, this was back in 1989. And he said, to help each other reach our celestial potential is part of the divine mission of women. In partnership with God, her divine mission is to help spirits live and souls be lifted. This is the measure of her creation. It is ennobling, edifying, and exalting. I love that. And then you go on in that chapter to tell actual stories. Some of them are biblical. Some of them are real life stories about women helping women. So I would love to know your thoughts on that. And when you were writing this chapter, and I know there's things that you've thought about for years way before you wrote this about what is that special connection that women have helping each other? First of all, President Nelson's quote, I still think about that quote. It's just something that I guess I've kept in my mind. In 1989, I was nine years old, so I don't remember it being said specifically over the pulpit or anything like that, but it's continued to grow in its strength. And since 1989, 1990 timeframe, I think we've grown in our desire, maybe as Latter-day Saint women, I can't speak for the balance of the world, the Christian world or, or other faiths specifically, but I think we've grown. There's this awakening right now, and we have to know more about him specifically to us. And so I started feeling that when I was about probably 19 or 20. And I took that to Heavenly Father. I was really at a crossroads. I, I was like, I, I need to know if, if this is real and if you're there and if I matter to you. And it wasn't tell me that the gospel is true or tell me that the Book of Mormon is true or anything like that. I just needed to know if there was a possibility that me, Jen Mabry, could have a relationship with a deity that I have yet to see. I read these stories of men who have seen him. And yet at the same time, I just felt there's a way that this can happen, that I can get to know my father in heaven and I have to know. So it's like a do or die in my mind. Like I have to know. And so I took that to Heavenly Father and it started on a journey. So that was 20 something years ago now. But that journey has included, I've realized the aspect of women, I don't hear men say, I need another man in order to come to God. But women say, I need to talk to another woman. When I was pregnant, I needed to talk to another woman and to understand what my body was going through and what I was getting ready to do to have a baby. When I was nursing, we, as women, we talk to other women when we talk about our relationships and how to raise children. And so there's a connection. I think that as women, it's innate within us. We came here with this need to help each other through mortality. And if we peel this back on one layer, it's very simple. We call somebody and we say, Hey, what should I make for dinner tonight? And and we get an answer, but on a different layer, we also call each other and we say, Hey, I need help because I'm struggling with my identity or I'm struggling with my testimony. I'm struggling to know how I can relate to my heavenly father. And I think we're built to say, okay, what can Mm -hmm. I do? Or we say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we walk together on these Mm -hmm. journeys to help each other to grow and to change and to become more. So that's what this just between us, I really think it's a gift actually. And president Nelson said it best. It is ennobling. It's enabling and it's exalting. It exalts us as women. Yeah. When I read that, I think it resonated with me so much because that's what I'm trying to do on this podcast is help (laughs) other women share their stories and give other women access to be able to hear those stories. Because I think there's just, and I say this over and over, but there's so much power when we know we're not alone. And when we know somebody else has gone through something and we don't have to have the exact same experiences 
to know that what we're going through is valid and that we can help each other. We're on our own journey on the covenant path, but we're also elbow to elbow. We're right there next to each other traveling. And as women, we can support each other in such a unique way. And not that men can't help us or any of that, like you said in the book, but there's such a unique thing about women. And so I feel really passionate about us sharing our story so that we can do that. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute, but talking about coming to know God, there's something really unique that you've told me in the past that you do. And I want to explore this more. And I want you to tell me more about this. You've talked about how you've had many experiences that have helped you to come to know who God is and in kind of your relationship with him. And you've actually titled these experiences and you have binders. And so will you just explain this to us? This is so incredible. Like everybody who just listened to this, I love that you do this. I think it's so great and so unique. It seems so insignificant to me. It's just a matter of, I don't know, thinking and organizing, even just in my brain. But I do. I've paid attention throughout my life, probably since my late teens, as to how, when, and where I feel like I experience God in my life. And I'll write it down. Sometimes it's literally on a sticky note. And then they're categorized in binders. And, and in my binders, some of them, it, I have lots of dreams. And everything is categorized according to month. And so I know that I can go back to 1999 in January of 1999. And I can see that there was a special experience that included a dream in 1999, or I can go to 2018 and see what I felt there. And I wondered, where did I pick this up specifically? Because I try to link the things that I do in my life to something that maybe I've learned or I've seen somewhere else. My grandfather is a patriarch. He's been a patriarch since 1990. I keep saying the 90s right now. So I'm like stuck in that right now. But he's been a patriarch since 1990. He's given almost a thousand blessings. And that's just monumental in my mind. He's larger than life to me. And in his house, he's in North Palm Beach, Florida. He has his blessing room. And all of his blessings are categorized in binders. And I just stand at this bookshelf in awe, really. At all of this information, these blessings, and I keep wanting to use that word again, blessings that have been given to people, not just of lineage, but of counsel and guidance. And it's monumental to me. It's almost scriptural. It's just standing there right before me. And I don't dare get into it. That's not my space. But it's very sacred to stand in that room. It's almost like a temple type experience. And so seeing this for the majority of my life, I thought, well, I can organize my thoughts in the same way. I've always been observant. I pay attention to what I think might be a godly experience. And so I have these spaces in my home where I have organized to my experiences with God. And I don't have binder after binder of them, like my grandfather has of these blessings, but I do have a lot. And it's been very rewarding to occasionally look back through these experiences. It's it's a reminder to me, especially when I get down or feeling depressed or I'm going through some really difficult times. It's been very rewarding to go back through these experiences, almost like going back through the scriptures and reading previous experiences of, or narrated experiences of men and some women that we really respect in the canonized texts. I love this. We have to unpack a whole lot of this, but I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking of the word, remember how many times does God tell us to remember? Like in the scriptures, we hear that word, especially in the book of Mormon, we hear it over and over. Remember. And this is such a unique and wonderful way to remember, remember the things that I've done in your life. And you can go back and have a tangible way to be able to do that. 
And I loved what you said about when you're facing difficulties or having hard times, you can go back to that because I think sometimes in those difficulties or challenges or trials in our life, we can't really see him. Like sometimes it's just cloudy. It's cloudy. Yeah. We're in the fog. We're blocked. And the only thing that we can do is remember the only thing that we can do is go back. So I love the idea of recording those things. I don't do it in that way, but I have a prayer journal where I write every week, the things I'm grateful for and the questions I have and the things I need help with. And then at the end of the week, I try to write, how did I see him? How is he answering this? And it doesn't always wrap up in a week. Sometimes I just keep doing that week after week. And I've got two journals full. And I feel just like you said, it's like my own personal scripture. Like this is God's communication with me. And I do the same exact thing when I am not feeling him. I can go back and I can remember, oh, he answered that prayer or he helped me find an answer to that question. And he has been there and he's still here. Maybe I can't feel it right now, but he's still here. So that's what I was thinking of is just that word remember. And I also love how you title things like you don't title (laughs) things in a normal way. So one of the examples you said was the violinist at a stake event. That is one of the titles. Is that the title of the binder? (laughs) No, that's the title of the section. Okay. The section. Um, So that's how you remember the experiences inspire these creative titles. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a foundational story in my life in helping me to gain a testimony of the restoration. And that happened in 2005, I think. I was in Las Vegas. But just for me, thinking the violinist, it was so easy. It's so easy to bring that memory back because of the title. So sometimes I need to get back into the material and, and realize what I'd written. But the title often will take me there in my memory very easily. I love that. Such a unique way. And I think it's so important to share these ideas because it's not like someone has to go out and copy exactly what you did, but you've just put a spark in someone's mind. Hey, I need to find a way that I can remember that I can have that tangible evidence and someone can go out and do that. I love sharing those kinds of ideas. I just think that really (laughs) blesses other people and, and helps us all to think about those things and to figure out what will work for us. Another thing that we talked about before was that you said that you love to tell stories. And and that's very evident in this book. You tell a lot of stories from other people, from biblical women, and also from your own life. And one of the things you told me before we did the interview was that stories have fingerprints. What did you mean by that? What do stories mean to you? Everybody knows fingerprints. There's no two fingerprints that are alike. And part of my education is really diving into these scriptural stories And they're not always scriptural. They're not always in sacred texts, but diving into these stories and and taking a look around. But how a story affects me will affect you different. Mm -hmm. And there's a great respect in how you understand a story and how I understand a story. And if we bring a third person into this conversation, that individual will also understand the story just a little bit different. And we can close the story by saying, this is the interpretation and this is how you're supposed to think about it. Or we can leave it open and we can continue to grow and learn from it. And so that's what I think about these fingerprints. A fingerprint is a living entity. It does have an identity. And these stories have fingerprints. One fingerprint could be that it's God in the story. Another could be that you enter the story from a different perspective and you get something totally different out of the story. And then the fingerprint changes just a little bit. And so I think about in these stories, it's not just one fingerprint, it's actually many. And especially stories about women, if we go back to sacred texts specifically, when we look for evidence of women and God in the scriptures, yes, women are written into the scriptures, but we have to dig a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so 
if we take it for face value, like for example, Nephi doesn't tell us the name of his wife. And as women, come on, Nephi, we know you loved her and she cried for you and she prayed for you and she was right there beside you and you went all the way to Jerusalem to get her. What's her name? But if we enter the story through Nephi's perspective, we will miss a little bit more information about her. If we enter the story from her perspective, a different fingerprint, we might be on the boat with her when her husband is tied to the mast Mm -hmm. and she's taking care of the children and everybody's sick and there's a storm and she's not sure what to do and they won't release her husband. And it just grips you in such a way. And you realize this woman went through so much and that's a different fingerprint than how Nephi tells his story of what happened when he was tied to the mast. I do think that stories have a fingerprint. They have many fingerprints and they help us to see as fingerprints do the nature of the individual and who they are. Yeah. I love the power of that, that we do have to look a little bit harder. We have to look in a different way to find those women in the scriptures, but they're there and we can learn from them. I felt the emotion when you talked about Nephi's wife and him being on the boat tied up. How would I feel if my husband was in that situation? I can relate. I can pull that in. I just love that concept that stories have a fingerprint. We recently had a state conference where I live and I walked away and I thought that was the best state conference I have ever been to. And there was no visiting authority. It was just people in my state that I know, some I don't know. And every single talk was just a personal experience and a story. And it was their story of how they went through a challenge or a struggle or are still going through it and how the Savior has been there with them. And I think I walked away from that thinking that was so good because I loved being able to connect with those people, even though somehow I didn't know, or maybe I didn't even talk to them, but our spirits connected because they were telling a story. If somebody gets up in sacrament meeting and tells a personal story, I'm connected. I'm there. I want to hear what you have to say because I can learn from that. And when you're saying fingerprints, I was also thinking none of us have the same exact story to tell. It's all different. And that's what I talk about too, is this journeying on the covenant path. It all looks different. We're all going to make covenants, but it's all going to look different and how we get to those points on our path. What else are you just feeling in your heart that you want to share about your journey on the covenant path? That's a great question. I really enjoyed writing this material. The book came about very quickly. We signed a contract in October and the manuscript for the book was finished by about the middle of January. Wow. It's very fast. And I was writing two publications for my MA and I was applying for a PhD at the time. And, and my co-author was like, Jen, do you have it done? I'm like, I'm trying to get it done. I'm, I'm working. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I realized I needed help. I wanted to be able to get to the manuscript and to write, but I needed help. Part of that help came from being on the covenant path at that time, really looking to my heavenly father for his strength. I knew that He could help clear my mind and help me to feel, I guess, called to this. And yet at the same time, I needed tangible help too. I needed more time in my day. I needed clarity of mind. I needed to be able to switch from my education and even different languages to get back to English and write, to pull from my Rolodex, so to speak, from my records and my binders of of information, and also to clarify some of these stories with other women that are all over the world, at least in my life and the stories that I wrote. And part of being on the covenant path, I think, is paying attention and really relying on our Heavenly Father 
And both of those things were very important to me to get this material out, of course. But in life, my life is busy outside of writing. And so I have to rely on him. And I've realized when I stray a little bit from the covenant path, I'm not very happy with myself. I feel antsy and I don't have a good sense of direction. And I frequently will ask Heavenly Father to help me get realigned and to put things back into perspective so that I can feel comfortable again with this journey. And so a lot of that sounds like communication and being observant, being introspective on my own life and my choices. Sometimes I'll tell my husband, things didn't really go very well today. I said something that I wasn't proud of. And so it's almost like I'm not tattling on myself, but I'm trying to process through my day out loud and realize, okay, I can fix something here, or I really need help there. And I think that's all part of at least the journey for me to come to my savior, to get to know him more. Yeah. Beautifully said. I was thinking as you were talking about what if there's a woman out there who's listening to this and they're hearing your story and hearing about your binders and the way that you've followed promptings, you've gone back to school, you got a master's, you're in a PhD program, you teach seminary, you're a mom, you do all these things and you believe so passionately in stories. What would you say to a woman who's just, I'm not special, I'm not doing anything great, I don't really think I have a story to tell? What would you say to that woman? Call me. (laughs) I can help you. I can help you change that mindset. I've had so many women all over the world say exactly what you said. In fact, that'll bring me to tears. And it's been my privilege and it's been humbling to sit in their company and we talk about the things of their life. And sometimes it's just removing a lens. Like, you, you know how on horses, when you don't want them to see what's outside of the trail, you put the little blinders on. Sometimes as women, it's our privilege. We can remove the blinders that cause us to not be able to see what's happening in our daily lives because of daily life. It's grinding when we raise children. It's beautiful. We all know what it's like to change a diaper that was a blowout. And two minutes later, there's another one. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to sometimes feel purpose and have a strong identity when we do go about the daily things of our life. And sometimes our lives are not very busy and sometimes they are busy and we can help each other as women to take off the blinders and realize actually you do have a story and it's right here in your home or it's right here in your heart. Part of the nature of this message that I want to share is we can go to the scriptures as women consistently and and we read story after story, narrative after narrative of larger than life experiences with God dealing with men. And they're beautiful. I love them. I don't want them to change and I don't want them to go away. And so I wonder where is it for women? And I think we write them in our hearts. We haven't put them necessarily on paper for it to be canonized for anywhere, but the stories that are most sacred to me, yes, they do make it into my binders, but they're also written in my heart. And I take my heart with me when I go and I talk with another woman or I speak before a congregation or even in my coursework at school, my stories are continually with me and they help me to have a relationship with my heavenly father. And I really enjoy helping other women to also realize that their stories, they're there, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay that it feels cloudy right now. Sometimes we have cloudy days, but we have a savior, Jesus Christ, who I think he's a master navigator and he can navigate through cloudy days. He can navigate the days where it just feels like you're not going anywhere. And I don't mean day, like in 24 hours, this could be a season or a few years. And I think our master navigator can navigate women's lives. He can navigate us, help us to get through some of the more difficult things where we aren't feeling up to par. We aren't feeling good about ourselves or about our situations and help us to come to our heavenly father. I really like that thought that it's written in our hearts. And when you were saying that, I'm thinking 
it's written in our hearts and that helps us to connect heart to heart as women. It's like, I can't even describe like what I'm, what I'm visualizing in my mind, but there's this sisterhood and our spirits can speak to each other and our stories can bring us together. I think you just gave so much hope to someone out there who (laughs) is feeling like they don't have a story. Everyone has a story. Everyone is important to our savior and he will be there for them. And there are people around you that want to help you and, and want to hear your story and you can help them. So I love that sisterhood. I have to tell you I, um, something funny that happened, though, in, in this regard. I've had several men approach me as well. They've read my book, not by my promotion or anything like that. In fact, they find me and they're like, I read your book. And I met this man over the summer and he was probably in his 60s. I spent the summer at Middlebury, Vermont for Hebrew, another Hebrew program. And you sign a contract that you're only going to speak Hebrew. You can't speak any English, but you can speak English at religious functions. And so I I went to the Middlebury ward and, oh, I love those people. And there was a gentleman and he he was so excited to come and tell me that he read my book. And he was like, but Jen don't you think God comes to men too? And it was like this plea. Isn't it true? Yes, absolutely. Do you want to tell you? <laughs> yeah, read the Bible. Read the Book of Mormon. Read the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh-huh. Um, but it was so cute. And he was just precious. I wanted to give him a hug and be like, absolutely, brother. Yes, of course he comes to men too. But I realize we all need reminders, even though we Mm -hmm. have the scriptures with these amazing stories, some of them that are very recent in the Doctrine and Covenants. We're not even 200 years old yet with those stories. And so I think it's ennobling. It's elevating to remind each other that God comes to not just women, but of course, men too. And not just men, but of course, women too. And so I thought it was cute that even men all over the world are like, can I tell your story over (laughs) this? And and I love your armadillo story. And (laughs) so it's really been cute to see how this has resonated with different people and helped them to realize I really have a story too. And yeah, I think, I really do think God does come to his children. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love that. That's a cute story. This has been great, Jen. I have loved talking to you. And I do have one final question for you. And that is, how have you seen and felt the savior in your journey on the covenant path? There's not one space. There's not one way to answer that question. At the moment, I think because everything is in my life, I have a lot of education driven. I feel very called to the education that I'm receiving. I know I mentioned this at the beginning. It's been a way that's strengthened my relationship with my Heavenly Father, helped me to understand Him and how He speaks not only to Western civilizations and to members of the church, but also those whom He loves on the other side of the world as well. And I feel like our Savior really wants us to succeed. And there's no one way to do that. We know that if we pay attention to his life and how he went about doing good, how he forgave and how he developed relationships with people, we know that those things will help us to feel of him, will help us to bring us closer to him. But there's so much ambiguity in that concept that you and I have developed a relationship And it's going to be different than how you're going to develop a relationship with the next woman that you interview. And you and I can share our testimonies and our stories about Jesus Christ. And we will lift and we will edify one another in that experience. And so to see the Savior on our covenant path is a desire to do. If we want him, then he will be there in the same way that the apostles, they wanted him in in their boat and and he was there during the storms and he was there during the times when they couldn't catch anything. And if our covenant path, represents that little boat on the ocean on the Sea of Galilee long ago, 
If our covenant path represents that boat, we can recognize that our, our Savior's there during the storms. He's there during the sunshine. He's there during the moments of plenty. He's there during the moments of emptiness. He's there during the moments of turmoil. And to this, I can testify in my own life. I enjoy using boat analogies. I really do think that our covenant path is not just a single path, but a companionship path. We walk with him. We can walk with him. And as women, there's something special about us that we get to walk together as well, even arm in arm as we walk the covenant path together. That is a beautiful way to end. I can just picture women and the Savior walking together on the covenant path. That is just a great image. I'm going to keep that with me all day today as I go throughout my day, but thank you so much for being here. If people want to find out more about you, especially if someone speaks Hebrew, right? Like you want to speak Hebrew, yeah. come find you. But if people want to find out more about you, find your book, where would be the best places for them to go? Probably Instagram at the moment. My Instagram is just a fun account. I don't have anything formal. So I have lots of people that DM me or private message me. And we just chat. I've made friends all over the world through just these sort of private chats. So Facebook, I guess. So social media is fine. And I don't know, how else do you contact people? <laughs> yes, probably Instagram. We'll put those links to your social sure. media on the show notes so people can find you. And I know the book is on Amazon and I found it at yeah. Costco. I don't know if it's still at Costco. It's that Desert Book. Desert Book, uh, yeah. I had to go find it myself. I was in Utah. It's not going to be at a Costco here, but I was in Logan, Utah, dropping my daughter off for Utah State. And we passed a desert book. And can we just stop? I just want to see. And it's there. And so I just, so that was cool. really exciting to me. I'm like, well, there's a book and it's got my name on it. It's that desert book. And so it's at Deseret and Siegel. And I don't know where else. There's probably a few other places. So it should be pretty easy to find. Yeah. I love, I love that. Okay. <laughs> Jen, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. I love your insights. And I, you. I do feel edified after talking to you. And so thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I feel edified too. This was very exciting for me. And now here are this week's journal questions. During the interview, I read this quote from President Nelson that Jen shared in her book, God Comes to Women. Here's the quote, to help each other reach our celestial potential is part of the divine mission of women. In partnership with God, her divine mission is to help spirits live and souls be lifted. This is the measure of her creation. It is ennobling, edifying, and exalting, end quote. When has another woman helped you to live and be lifted? How did her work in your life make you feel? What talents, gifts, and abilities were you created with that allow you to help others live and be lifted? Record your experiences and thoughts in your journal. Jen shared this about stories, quote, I do think that stories have a fingerprint. They have many fingerprints and they help us to see, as fingerprints do, the nature of the individual and who they are, end quote. Think about the story of a woman you've heard on this podcast or in your own life. What did you learn from that woman by hearing her story? How did you see her divine nature? How did hearing her story help you see the divine nature in yourself? Do you ever feel you are ordinary and there's nothing special about your story? 
During the interview, Jen shared that we sometimes have blinders on that don't allow us to see our stories in the midst of our mundane, everyday life. How can you take the blinders off and see your story that, as Jen said, is right there in your home and your heart? One way to begin to see your own story is to pray. Ask Heavenly Father how you can share your story. Write down the thoughts and impressions you receive. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you did, please share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on Apple Podcasts. This actually helps more women find the podcast and embrace their own journey on the covenant path. To find more ways to be a part of the Spiritually Minded Women community, head over to spirituallymindedwomen.com. For more inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedwomen. Have an amazing day. I'm cheering you on in your journey.